Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, then listen closely to the next 30 minutes. For healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. My favorite show each year is the Easter show because it's about the resurrection. Specifically, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what does this have to do with medicine? What does this have to do with being a doctor? What does this have to do with you and being sick? Well, across 25 years, my own personal experience living closely, receiving much from those who have been afflicted. I mean, doctors that care share suffering. There's no way around that. I think we, as doctors, do a lot to get around that. But nonetheless, you have to share suffering because you have to have relationship. What better demonstration of the power within us than the Jesus story? And that's why Easter is so special to me. As a little boy, Christmas was great. But honestly, when I think back to it, it was always Easter and the resurrection and the suffering and the cross and fasting and Lent. That was magical to me. It was also that beautiful time of year on the East Coast as I grew up because Winter was fading and spring was coming, and that was a much better time of the year. So I grew up with this mystical notion of someone named Jesus Christ, who every Easter we celebrated his resurrection after the agony of the crucifixion. Little did I know, later on, years later, becoming a doctor and not looking to do this, but just by osmosis, working with person after person on so many levels as I've worked over the years, sharing the sufferings of my patients and realizing there's the life of Christ. Same concepts, and in that we are in his image, perhaps, without crossing boundaries, perhaps, God has given us those same abilities, those same potentials. At least that's what we aspire to. If you look at Christ as your hero, and I'm sure you do, and think of your own suffering, well, put it in the context of a doctor looking at his patients, watching them suffer, sharing that suffering, and watching a certain percentage of them get over their suffering through the act of faith, and discipline, and then entertaining the bliss of curing disease. And that's been one of the great gifts in being a doctor. 
you have this exercise. It is a daily exercise. You live, eat, and sleep with it. From the day you say I can help you is the day you begin to inherit the prospect of exercising these gifts. What gifts? Faith, when you utilize it, is a gift. The ability to adapt to your suffering as you succeed at it. There's a miracle there. And to watch a person heal, to watch the human organism mistakenly divorced from its spiritual core. And isn't that the crock of our time, right? Science's attempt to tell us, as Christians or otherwise, that your healing really has nothing to do with anything outside the boundary of strict science. We all know that. All religion, all spiritual people know Christian and otherwise. No, that is a joke. And we have to hold hands there. We have to give meaning to tomorrow in that way. Because we are under assault. There is no two ways about that. Increasingly, as genetics develops itself, as it should, and that should be celebrated also, are the foregone conclusions that the conversation we're having today has nothing to do with science, and yet it is the root of all of it. We've got it backwards, and I think we could all agree that we have a world that's upside down, and I'll submit to you that this is in part why. All right, forget all that. Let's talk about me and dissection in chiropractic school, which was one of my many journeys in medicine. I was very attracted because of certain mentors that I had to dissection, and I spent a lot of time dissect, dissecting bodies. It was one of the great things about chiropractic school. Distinct from acupuncture school, distinct from naturopathic medicine, honestly distinct from medical school. You had, if you really wanted to take advantage of that education, you had to eat up dissection, which, of course, nobody really did. But I did. And the guy, Dr. Chavez, Francisco Chavez, I will give you his name, such a blessing in my life. He gave me the keys to the lab for two years. I could have slept there had I desired. So there I was, just me, alone in dissection, any day, any time I wanted. The maintenance guys and I became good friends. And if I wanted to stay till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I was allowed to. And I did. And I did lots more. So I really got to spend hundreds and hundreds of hours in dissection. Believe me, this made the school experience worthwhile. Because if you begin to dissect and you really get into dissection and you have a chance to sit and meditate with all these wonderful body parts I'm about to describe today, and you look at them as a totality, if you can't see God, if you cannot feel God in that experience, truly, truly, you need our prayers. All your power is so self-evident in these mystical pieces of the human body. 
And our chemistry, our biological studies today, suggest that there are pieces of us that if we could just turn them on, switch them on, we could do things we never thought we could do. We could exceed ourselves. We could, by deliberate design, by systematic work, make our dreams come true. Now, this is the way we were really taught to look at life. Not in our fantasy of it, but just really in our daily vernacular. I've got cancer, so what? I'll deal with it. I'll get rid of it. I got fired from my job. It appears my profession is over. Nonsense. I'll manifest my next step. And yes, this concept of manifestation, turning your dreams to reality, this is very common in our consciousness today. I think not common enough in functional reality, but it's a common thought. What I want to give you today is, is this thought, this consciousness, is so evident in the structures of the human body. So let me invite you to the website. Hopefully you're on it. That's straighttalk.cc. Not dot com dot cc straight talk with two t's. If you're driving, just listen. Again, I'm going to do this half hour show, and if you get to the website in an hour from now, I'll have a more comprehensive show. It'll go at least sixty minutes because there's so much to talk about. I want to tempt you, virtuously tempt you into enthusiasm about these concepts. Now, if you're on the website, that's straighttalk.cc, I'm just going to reel off a couple, of con- a couple of body parts that if you really get into them, and we can't today, but we can at least touch on them and put them all together, you can see there's something really going on there. I assure you that Jesus had a God- like, I can't say God-like, I can say his capacities were of God, godly. His development into the hypothalamus, into the pituitary, into the autonomic nervous system, into the pineal gland, into the cerebrospinal fluid, into the dural tissues, were godly, were sophisticated beyond what we can understand. But then again, we've been given these same structures. And of course, oddly enough, what biology, what science is leading us to today is that if we really go into the functions of the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the pineal, if we go into the functions of the autonomic nervous system, of the dural tissue, of the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid, of what's going on in the marrow of the bone, the stem cells, and we put it together. Yes, we can do things as a species, in the glory of God, hopefully, that are paranormal. Just as that resurrection occurred and was paranormal, we have our capabilities also. Now, perhaps we don't have that potential, But we have possibilities. Each of us has possibilities. And of course, that wonderful word faith, faith is just what bridge the gaps between knowing that you can 
and being Doubting Thomas. Yeah, Doubting Thomas. I put a wonderful picture, picture 20, on the website today. It is Caravaggio's Doubting Thomas. Thomas, one of the disciples, does not believe that Christ has risen. So there's Caravaggio's picture 20 on the website. There's Caravaggio's finger, uh, excuse me, Thomas's finger. Caravaggio was just so graphic. I mean, you look at that picture and it hurts you to look at it because he's sticking his finger right through the skin of Jesus, deep into his flesh, deep into his ribs. So that then he could be satisfied that, yes, Christ had risen. Well, that's what faith is. When you're sick, you have to have faith. You get up every day like Doubting Thomas and you don't ever heal. The Doubting Thomases do not heal. And there's a difference between us all regarding our spiritual intelligence. Imagine that. Imagine going to school. Imagine applying to university and having your spiritual intelligence measured. Come on. I want to know if you can count. I want to know if you can do the math. I want to know if you can memorize the, the curriculum. Spiritual intelligence, what does that have to do with anything that you might need to succeed in life? Come on. Look at that. I mean, I say that obviously satirically, tongue-in-cheek, but that's the reality, isn't it? It is so unfortunate that our connection to God, our inherent ability, our spiritual IQ is relegated to church on Sunday. Of course, we Christians don't believe that, but again, how many of us in an adversarial moment can really put it to the test? When you find out you have a brain tumor and less than a year to live. And so many of the tragedies. This is when, God bless you, that spiritual intelligence meets its, meets its day. Could our spiritual intelligence be locked into our body parts, into our anatomy? Is there a translation? Is the power that Jesus Christ exuded locked into our anatomical parts? I tell you it is. I tell you it's what gives me my faith. I look at him, I look at that body, and I know, I know deep down inside of us is the potential to cultivate things that are bigger than we are. And that's what I celebrate tomorrow. His resurrection, God's glory, and our potential. Easter has long, long ago meant that to me. Now, there was a guy named Joseph Campbell. Campbell had this idea of the hero. The hero's journey. I put lots of pictures of Joseph Campbell. He was a, a professor of mythology, some subset of English literature. And Campbell got into the hero, the concept of the hero. 
and we're going to talk a little bit about Campbell. But the other piece of it is, the other piece of it is, Star Wars. Yeah, I said Star Wars, right? In Star Wars, the Jedi are Jedi because they have a higher midichlorian count. Midichlorian count. Look at midichlorian. I put it. I put it on picture number seventeen. Picture number eighteen. The Jedi. This I'm reading. Picture number eighteen. The Jedi have identified microscopic life forms that reside within all living cells called midichlorians. You think this doesn't exist? Don't doubt me on this. You ever meet somebody that just got it? That got God? That didn't need to read the Bible? That didn't need to even go to church? But they just had it. It was in them. The Christ within. You ever meet somebody where that is so strong, you can feel it coming a mile away? The Christian saints. All saints. Some people get it. I'm going to submit to you that if you come in as a scientist, as an alchemist, as a scientist who respects God, if you look at somebody like that, you can go in there and measure a higher electrical force, a stronger connection to something outside oneself. You can call it whatever you want. But I tell you, it exists. In fact, I'll tell you, I look for it in my patients. Because they are the ones that heal. You know, one day the earth was flat and the next day it was round. Well, not really, but over time. Many a paradigm has shifted in the last 2,000 years, in the last 1,000 years, in the last 500 years. I'm telling you, this paradigm will shift. There are pieces of us more valuable, more important, more fundamental to the health of the human organism, to the happiness of the human organism, to the happiness of the society, that we are as of now failing to identify, failing to measure. And yet if you look around, there's more and more of it being mentioned. I'm submitting to you today that if you study the human organism, it is right in there, smack in front of your face. And the poets, as Freud said, will always be ahead of us all. The poets and the artists. Don't laugh at the midichlorian count. The Jedi have identified microscopic life forms that reside within all living cells called midichlorians. This is picture 20. These tiny life forms communicate with the force and reveal its will. When one's mind is quiet, one can hear them speaking. A high midichlorian count indicates great potential as a Jedi. Who are the Jedi? The Jedi were those heroes committed to a life of service 
who reached down and trained and cultivated powers within themselves that they had a natural inbred affinity to that allowed them to be supernatural and paranormal. Let me ask you, what do you think you're trying to do as you heal your tumor or your heart disease or your Parkinson's or your Alzheimer's? Especially those of you who have been sick for five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. I'm not making this up. I have many people like that. You are that hero. And the issue for you is an issue of faith. And face faith. Translated into action through discipline. Reaps we reaps reward. Faith translated into action through discipline reaps reward. So I'm going to ask you to consider that your symptom, that your chronic symptom, that your disease is simply a spiritual exercise. That you're being asked by your creator to engage in a spiritual exercise where you'll reach down into yourself and find out in the end you had powers internally you never thought you had. That is not a pipe dream. And there is more science in that statement than we are currently crediting it to. All you have to do is look at those body parts and understand what they do. The hypothalamus gland, wonderful picture of it, picture 27. Two, three inches behind the center of your forehead sits that gland. Netter shows us there, picture 27, a fantastic picture of it. It is electrically and chemically scanning the body at speeds we have no concept of, none all the stars in the universe, all the chemical reactions the hypothalamus is controlling per unit time. I mean, it is an off-the-chart piece of ourselves wired into the nervous system. The wires in and the wires out through the autonomic nervous system, through the vagus nerve, through the sympathetic nerves, are interpreted by the hypothalamus, and a decision is made whether to allow the cell to rest or compel the cell to kick out more juice. Imbalances there represent the single most fundamental. If the hypothalamus is turned off, you don't have an immune system. The failure of the hypothalamus to resonate at an optimal frequency is a catastrophe for the body. Forget the genetics. Forget the DNA. The DNA is a pawn in that game. Now that hypothalamus has a vibration. So we might break it down chemically, but that's just a facade. We have to break it down biophysically, and its biophysics is controlled by the flow of cerebrospinal fluid. And that flow of the cerebrospinal fluid is controlled by breath and by the pulsing of the cranial bones. The pulsing of the cranial bones and the breath are disciplines to open up 
to sustain, to expand cranial flow is an exercise in medicine. To learn to breathe diaphragmatically so that through breath the cranial bones expand, so that the hypothalamic frequencies can optimize is the discipline of health. It is the way we should be approaching disease. So that disease and conquest over it is the journey through the hypothalamus, through the cerebral spinal fluid, through the cranial bones. So that the ventricular system, picture 39, the ventricular system of the brain, picture 39, can pump as a benefit from those disciplines, from your health practice, those ventricles can pump and optimize the massage or the titillation, the titillation to the pineal gland. Look at 33, picture 33, picture 34. That pineal gland, 33, 34, sitting there between the colliculuses, the superior colliculuses, begging the pumping mechanism of the ventricle, controlled by the breath, controlled by the cranial rhythms, controlled by the bite, to hit a frequency capable then of banging it, banging it off the sides, wobbling it off the sides, the inner sides of both of the two colliculuses to the point where a critical mass point is reached and specialized chemicals begin to emit from the pineal. The pineal, yes, the pineal, the ancient sacred pineal, the third eye, the place where it all happens. But you've got to get there. And that's your journey. The hero's journey. Your journey. I am certain this associates in a very real way to the life of Christ. I am certain that Jesus disciplined himself in his life to open up these centers. What was the agony in the garden? What was that night about? Think about that night. We celebrate the resurrection tomorrow, but think about that night a few nights earlier when he knows what's going to happen. And he has to make a choice. He has to embrace. Think about that act of faith. There's your training. And that's your training. Because half of you wants to heal, half of you thinks you can do it, and then there's a piece of you that's doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas versus those sacred spaces in your human organism. When the balance of trait tips to the right side, well, then you're given your own resurrection. And that's what it is when you see people get on the other side of illness. It's like a resurrection. Think about that tomorrow. God bless you. Happy Easter. We'll see you next week. Okay. Part two of the show. For those of you that want the more comprehensive version, which I certainly hope you do, you'll love this format. I do. 
Let's pick up where we left off. I'm going to pick up with Ignatius Loyola, St. Ignatius Loyola. You're on the website. Look at picture one, two, three, and four. Loyola. Loyola was from a heritage of Sephardic Jews in Spain who were compelled for a variety of reasons, no doubt some sincere, to convert to Catholicism under the pressure, of course, of the Vatican. Well, Loyola came from that tradition, and he was a nobleman. His family had tons of money. And as the literature says, he was somewhat of a playboy and did what playboys did back then. They had their parties. Playboys still do today. Rich kids from rich neighborhoods party. Well, part of the party back then meant going to the Middle East and leading a crusade of sorts, which is what he did. And unfortunately, or fortunately, had a piece of his leg blown off. He became a semi-cripple. And it blew his mind. And Loyola went into the caves of Spain and had a religious conversion. That's not a little thing. That's a big thing. You know, Saul is walking down the road and gets hit with God's lightning bolt, and he becomes Paul, Saul to Paul. This is how Loyola is born. Now, what's relevant to you and what's relevant to this show today is Loyola created as a derivative of his vision the spiritual exercises. Now, those exercises were a reenactment of the 12 stations of the cross. Now, look at picture three. How can you do this show without the pictures? It is beyond me. Look at picture three. The spiritual, that's the authentic book. That's the old one. Always read the old one. Don't read the Kindle version. Put your hands on what was once written and touch it, and smell it, and put it close to your body and sleep on it. That is how you learn. Power does not derive from the Cliff Note version. There are no shortcuts. Whatever computers do for us, and they do much, they will never belie the notion that power comes from the authentic version. Look at that book. If you wanted to become a Jesuit, if you wanted to be part of Loyola's vision, which was to create consciousness within what at that time was a very rudimentary Catholic church, the noblemen of Europe were ignoramuses, they were illiterate. And Loyola went to the fief, to the nobleman, being a nobleman, but with a religious fire, and said, I'll teach your progeny to be literate. And in their literacy, they will attain more power. But you build me a church, and you build me a school. And that was the Jesuit order. This order became so powerful that it started to compete with power for the Catholic Church. And at one point, the Pope wanted the Jesuits exterminated. Fascinating story. Well, what happened is the Pope found a better place to put the Jesuits into the intelligentsia of the Middle East. 
until the Jesuits then became the intellectual arm of the church, designed and directed into the central intelligences of the Middle East. And that's where that war began, and perhaps still goes on today. At any rate, if you were going to become a Jesuit, you had to go through this conversion by enacting the 12 stations of the cross. So go to picture six. There's a sophomoric version. The first station, the second station, all the way up to the 14th station. It's that journey where Jesus is carrying the cross to the point where his friends, as it says on the 14th station, wash Jesus' body, wrap him in a cloth, then they put his body in the tomb. And then if we know the rest. Days later, we go back to the tomb, there's no Jesus. And yes, he comes back to us in full form. He resurrects. These stations of the cross, these 14 stations were part of a process whereupon as you, under supervision, enacted them, you were transformed neurologically. Now, what does that mean? It means that the very same pieces of the human organism that I guarantee you possess these supernatural powers. Or should I say the pieces of you that will lead you to the bigger self within you, the self you dream of, the self that has the vision, the self that overcomes the suffering, is within you. It is within these anatomical body parts. And make no mistake about it, Loyola's genius, having been through it himself, was to design a system whereupon one could experience this transformation. That was the driving force behind the Jesuit order. Now, Loyola wasn't the only individual that did this. Other people throughout history have done the same thing in different ways. The point is, as a scientist, I'm telling you, they are all relying upon deeper pieces of your anatomy. And we mentioned them today, hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal, the dural system, the ventricles of the brain, the cerebral spinal fluid. These are very real things. In dissection, during chiropractic school, I became fascinated by this. I graduated in 94. It's 20, what, 23 years ago. 24 years ago. I was fortunate enough to get the keys to dissection lab under the tutelage of Dr. Francisco Chavez. He took his MD in Mexico. He took his master's degree and worked towards his PhD in anatomy at UCLA. He was a master dissection. A master anatomist. And he was a loving man. A true intellectual. And we had a friendship. And he allowed me in there anytime I wanted, and I took full advantage of it. If there was one reason to go to chiropractic school, it was to do that. If there was one reason to go to chiropractic school, it was so you could dissect and put all these mystical body parts in your hands. 
Let me take the time to say, since I have it, I love this new format. Let me say that some of you will listen to this and say, but he's talked about this before. Right. And until you talk about it and feel it and taste it and sweat with it, you won't understand it. You won't be able to use it. This is the difference between cerebral rhetorical understanding and understanding something in your being. You have to understand these body parts in your experience. You have to have a relationship with them. And if you do, then you can use them to bring yourself to the other side. Your hero's journey. Jesus is the godly example. It's God through the Son giving us our potential. That's what we celebrate tomorrow. That's what I celebrate tomorrow. You celebrate it the way you want. That's the way I choose to celebrate it. It's what it means to me. Because I have to come to terms with the things I've done and seen over 20-something years of doing this. And it and I have seen a lot of suffering. I've seen a lot of people have a lot of bad days with a lot of bad news. And I have to ask myself, why? Rather than just compromise and submit and lay down and rot, are we not being asked to pull it together like Jesus did in the agony of the garden and reach down deep and find the higher power? What higher power? Well, you see, that was the beautiful part about dissection. I could look at the hypothalamus. I could touch it, the pineal, the colliculuses, the ventricles, the spaces. You could dissect out the spaces that harbored the passageways for the cerebral spinal fluid. You could see where the blood through the choroid plexus transformed the blood in the choroid plexus of the ventricle to cerebral spinal fluid. The red stuff became clear liquid and that clear liquid soaked the brain and cleansed the cells. That cerebral spinal fluid has a flow rate and that flow rate is heavily influenced. There's lots of rates of vibration up here in these very critical areas. Mystical areas. Areas that potentially offer us a supernatural existence. At least a paranormal existence. At least the ability to heal things that you're told you can't heal. Your tumors, your neurodegenerative diseases, your autoimmune diseases, even your chronic low back pain. All of these things and their potential to heal completely are locked into these body parts. And these body parts have rates of function, meaning they function not at all. They function a little bit. They function moderately, below normal, normal, and supernormal. Believe me, if there's one thing I will die telling you, it's that these body parts have supernormal capacities. And isn't that the story of us? 
Aren't we the hero that reaches down to find something within ourselves bigger than ourselves? Isn't that the story of us all? Isn't that the hero's journey? Campbell, Joseph Campbell, who I refer to today so many times on the show, isn't that what he's saying? Be the hero. Could it be that illness, sickness, disease is an exercise in herodom? It is your exercise to potentiate your hero power. Look at picture 30. Look at 29, the hypothalamus gland. Now look at its blow up, picture 27. So picture 30, picture 29, pardon me, and now picture 27. There's a blow up, Netter's blow up. Frank Netter, the illustrator, medical illustrator, genius at what he did. There's his illustration of the hypothalamus, those colored areas. That area runs the show. At speeds we have no concept of, it organizes every chemical reaction of the body. The hypothalamic eye knows all. Now, when you clench, when you don't have proper flexibility between the occiput C1, C2, when you've had head trauma, Any of these types of imbalances compromise the rate at which that gland is vibrated in the sphenoid bone in which it sits. And the sphenoid is connected to all the cranium. The sphenoid is the center. Its arms reach out to everywhere, to your ear, to your eye, to your nose, all your senses are connected through bone to the sphenoid, to the hypothalamus, to the pituitary. It's the seed of your neuroendocrine system. So your autonomic nerves then, those wires taking information from your organs to the hypothalamus, telling the hypothalamus what's going on, and the hypothalamus responding by shooting out directions, orders, executive actions, to all body parts at speeds we can't even comprehend. Those people who do this stay strong. Those people who damage the hypothalamic frequencies under the duress of structural problems and otherwise in the hypothalamic area suffer. They suffer poorly. Some of us want the cure to our disease. Again, that's innocence. That's ignorance. That is a lack of knowledge. People say, I, I want to hear about my disease, my Alzheimer's, my cancer, my Parkinson's. I don't want to hear about something else. What does this have to do with it? If you look at all the diseases, they are all linked by commonalities. If you don't take care of those fundamental arenas, you cannot feed the health pot to cure. Again, not enough people think this way. More people have to think this way. 
don't listen to a show like this and say, yeah, but what? I thought I was going to hear about my bladder problem or my Parkinson's, my incipient Parkinson's or my tumor or my back pain. He didn't mention back pain. You see, that's what we have to change. People that do that are innocent. They are poorly educated. They don't understand that no matter what disease or symptom you have, you feed health the same way. This is really, really important. And I didn't come to the point of articulation because I read it in a book. You simply trial and error it. You do everything. You read everything. You try everything. And then you look at those group of people who get to the other side, the true heroes. The heroes who don't just try, but they succeed. And you look at what they did. And again, it's not so much what they did for their disease. It's what they did for their health. Point your head in the direction of health. Pointing it in the direction of disease. What do I do for my disease has nothing to do with what it takes to build health. You build health through creating relationship with the frequencies within the hypothalamus, the pituitary. Now let's get to the pineal gland. Go to picture number 33. Take a look at the pineal body. Look at that. It's sitting there, picture 33, between the colliculuses. Look at picture number 35. There's your pineal sitting there between the colliculuses and just above it, the tip of the third ventricle. You want to know where it's at? You want to know where to find God in human body? You want to know where to find a physical testimony to your potential? It is right there. Keep that in mind, 35. Now just go to 39 and take a lower left-hand corner. Take a look at what they call the pineal recess and below it the suprapineal recess. Follow those two black lines up to the pineal and suprapineal recess. And understand, you're looking at the ventricular system of the brain. That's the area of the brain that pumps. That whole area looks like a blow-up doll. It pumps like a ventricle. It's at the center of the brain. And it's the space in the brain that takes the blood and through what we call the choroid plexus of the brain, transfers that into clear, colorless cerebrospinal fluid. That cerebrospinal fluid is pumped via the ventricular system throughout the spinal cord and all the brain. It has a frequency, meaning a rate of flow. <coughs> Just like breath has a rate. Bodies break down to frequencies. That means vibratory rates. There's a dance going on, a left and a right, a left and a right, a thump, 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 in, out, in, out, in, out. The body has a rhythm. It dances. Molecules dance. Electrons dance. Atoms dance. Bodies dance. Do you dance? Not if you clench. Not if you've had head trauma. The entire gamut of health, all the things you're supposed to do, are directed to create a better vibration.
Now look at that ventricle. And look at that. Now go back to the other picture. You may have to do this on your own later. Look at 35. There's that pineal gland in between the colliculuses and above it the third ventricle. What do you think is going on? The pumping rate of the ventricular system, the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid, its rate of flow, creates a titillation to the pineal gland. It vibrates the pineal gland. That vibration is exponentially, it's multiplied as it beats off in between the two colliculuses. Isn't that obvious from the picture? The frequency of the pineal, the rate at which it vibrates, is greatly accentuated as the flow of cerebral spinal through through the third ventricle, through the pumping of the ventricle, bangs it off both inner sides of the colliculuses until something very special happens. The pineal lights up. Look at picture 31. Why do they depict it like that? Why did Descartes call it the third eye, the seat of the soul? What is this mystical thing about the pineal gland and everything around it? There it is in the anatomy. You want to find God. You want to find healing. You want to understand where the rubber meets the road. You want to understand where what will otherwise always be condemned to etheric becomes real. Look at that picture. And just no truth. You don't need 5,000 double-blind placebo studies. We already have this figured out. It's been known for many thousands of years. And make no mistake about it, the man we celebrate tomorrow, the God we celebrate tomorrow, however you want to term it, I don't want to get tripped up in semantics. However you term it or think of it, he had this mastered. There's that pineal, lit up. Look at picture 32. That's the Eye of Ra, ancient Egyptian, pre-dynastic Egypt. See Carmen Bolter's The Pyramid Code, episode 4. See episode 4 on training the senses. Before the pharaohs of Egypt the entire culture was organized around developing the chakras, developing the nervous system. It's why they built the Sphinx. It's what its function was, was to enhance human potential. And there's the Eye of Ra, no, no doubt going back. I mean, more and more, no one arguing the fact that whatever that is has been around at least 10,000 years before Christ. And look at it. It's a replica of the hypothalamus, the pineal, pineal, and the pituitary. Look at that. The eye is the hypothalamus. That stalk there, that's the pituitary stalk. That's the connection between the hypothalamus and the pituitary. That's where it's at. For thousands and thousands of years, we've understood that your health practice 
in the interest of being the hero, overcoming the symptom, the disease, is in the name of being reborn by disciplined, systematic attention, often under supervision, so that you can access the benefits of what's in these physical body parts. I call today's show The Power of Christ in Anatomical Perspective. Once I saw this, that was it. I was in. Hook, line, and sinker. There were no choices for me in my life after that. It was to go this way. Then there's the cerebral spinal fluid. It has a flow. The cerebral spinal fluid has a flow. Its flow, you can see in 36. Its flow, you can see in 37. Its flow equals the rate at which the neurons, the cells of the brain, clean themselves. That's the intercellular fluid of the brain is the cerebral spinal fluid. Between the neurons of the brain is the cerebrospinal fluid. And the rate at which it flows is directly proportional to the rate at which the ventricles pump. And that rate is proportional to the breath. It's impeded grossly if you clench. It's impeded grossly if there's head trauma. It's directly proportional to the integrity of the cranial flow, meaning the malleability, the flexibility between the sutures of the cranium. An infant's head is soft? Of course it is. It represents a glorious phase of development. When you are old, when you have been shattered, those joints have fused, they are arthritic. I don't mean your knees, I mean the sutures of your skull. The neurotoxicity that we call degeneration of the brain, senility, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, is directly proportional to the change in the frequency of flow of the cerebral spinal fluid in and with respect to everything I just mentioned. You turn these pieces of you on and you reap the rewards. And this is a tour de force. This is something you work at. This is the direction of your health practice. Whether you're cleaning a gallbladder, whether you're detoxing a kidney, whether you're doing a stretch, done correctly, they're all to attune your relationship with these inner dimensions of yourself. And they're real and you will feel them. But if you're not on the path, it isn't, it's like explaining pregnancy to a seven-year-old boy. If you're not on the path, it's about explaining things that if you've had no relationship with, you can't possibly understand. And that's where the metachlorians come in, the metachlorians. I mentioned this on the show. This concept in Star Wars that there's an electrical force within the blood 
And that electrical force is variable person to person. Some people get it, some people don't. Some people are in between. Some people are in between. They're truly in a place where with the right cultivation, the right supervision, a lot of patience, they will begin to open their inner eye. They will begin to feel their bodies react to the things they're doing, and that greatly accelerates the process. In Star Wars, the Jedis have a higher midichlorian count. Read the version of the midichlorian. Look at picture 18. Picture 18, young Darth Vader there. The Jedi have identified microscopic life forms that reside within all living cells called midichlorians. These tiny life forms communicate with the Force and reveal its will. When one mind is quiet, one can hear them speaking. A high midichlorian count indicates great potential as a Jedi. When one's mind is quiet, that means when you're not focused on your doubts, when you're not having a temper tantrum about how bad your life has become. One can hear them speaking. Them speaking, one can hear the intelligence of the body clamoring out to you to ask you to recognize the signs you're being given in your being, in your feeling centers, with your senses. And some people are just better at it than others. Can you imagine applying to university and being asked or tested to determine your midichlorian count, your spiritual IQ, your ability to know things beyond your analytical centers. You have to understand the tragic fate of the world. Not the world, our species, not the planet Earth, our species. To have evolved this intelligently and to have forgotten aspects of intelligences that we evolved out of. Before we were running double-blind placebo studies in genetics labs, we were feeling our experience and no doubt achieving things we don't even understand today. We have it backwards. It's not the cart or the horse. It really isn't. It's fundamental to the frontal lobe, to the analytic mind, are the deeper centers. Fundamental to. The frontal lobe is just the icing on the cake. To disrespect those fundamental centers is to create a world of insanity, and this is what we've done. Certainly, in general, in the name of disease, so let's just stick to one area. We really are not that good at it. And this is why. And yet, look at what we've been given. Ignatius Loyola, the midichlorian count. Joseph Campbell talking about that journey. The hero's journey is the journey through which faith bridges the gap between our relative ignorance and then our mastery. The hero's journey is about bridging that gap through faith between our relative ignorance and our mastery of these body parts. 
This is why you call it a health practice. It's a health practice. It's not what herb do I get, what drug do I take, what surgery do I do. What a reduction of our power. If you're listening to this show today and you have the beginning of multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or cancer or you've suffered for years for things that can't get diagnosed, you have to consider what I'm saying to you. You must. The piece of you that knows truth in the face of your failures, you must consider this. This is not old dead medicine. This is not primitive medicine. This is the future of medicine. We are out of balance. We have body parts that give great evidence, great evidence to new outcomes and higher potentials. The dural tissue, the dural tissue, dura mater, tough mother is what it means. It's like canvas, surrounds the brain, surrounds the spinal cord, divides the brain and supports the brain. The tentorium cella belli, upon which the brain sits, the falx cerebrae, which divides the brain, the covering to the brain, the covering to the spinal cord the most pain-sensitive structure in the human body, the dural tissue. When you stretch a tendon, after you lengthen a muscle and decompress a joint, there's your yoga, and realign your bony structure, there's your yoga. Somewhere along the way, you will begin to stretch the dural tissue. It is a much deeper connective tissue it's a more subtle place, but once you hit the dura, the release you get, the flow you get, the physical sensation you experience, once you get that deep, is the beginning of your cure. Because the dura of the spine connects to the dural tissue of the brain. And you are igniting that brain. You are changing the pumping mechanism of the brain. Just like opening the occiput, C1, C2, change the pumping mechanism of the brain. Just like head trauma and clenching destroy or reduce the pumping mechanism of the brain. Just like the breath enhances the pumping mechanism of the brain. And when the proper frequencies are met, in the confluence of all these systems, your hypothalamus, your pituitary, your pineal get much smarter. They react much faster. They give more specific, direct intelligences to any system that they seek. And one of those systems is the immune system. The other system are your stem cell reserves. You do not regenerate tissue without stimulating the hypothalamic pineal centers. They go hand in hand. They are what God has given you to benefit from the miracles within. There it is. That is it in a nutshell. Now go ahead. Ask me what herb you need to take for your health condition. There ahead. Ask me about that surgery looming. Ask me why I didn't discuss your disease. Go ahead. Make me suffer. It's okay. God bless you. 
We will see you next week. Happy Easter to you. Enjoy it in whatever way you wish. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.